all the youth out there, don't do not hide yourself, do not distance yourself from your family members, from your schoolmates, just because you're unsure. Then the more you should be getting answers, you should be looking out for answers instead of just hoping one day that you turn out to be what people want you to be. Because if, if that happens, probably you're gonna go down the wrong road. It's better to ask your 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 parents, Mom, Dad, why am I feeling like this? Then to hide yourself then to deny. It. You know, having answers is better than to deny it. Hey, it's Jasmine, and you're listening to I Wish Someone Told Me, a podcast on sex from an Asian perspective, or from those who have lived or are currently living in Asia. On today's episode, I will be speaking to Sherry Shaquisha, who is a human rights defender for Project X, an organization dedicated towards advocating for the rights of sex workers in Singapore. As a trans woman and sex worker herself, Sherry not only shares her life story but also gives us a rare insight into one of Singapore's most marginalized and discriminated community. This is a special episode collaboration with the Sugar and Spice Festival, a virtual sexuality festival featuring Asian voices and narratives which happens from March 23rd till 27th. Get your tickets from the website sugarandspice.asia today. Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of I Wish Someone Told Me. Today we have Sherry Shaquisha, who is a human rights defender for Project X and is one of the speakers for Sugar and Spice. And this is a special episode featuring Sherry. And if you don't know Sugar and Spice, Sugar and Spice is basically a virtual sexuality festival, a festival by Asians for Asians. And Sherry is speaking. Hey Sherry, how are you today? I would say I'm doing... I mean, I have to say I'm doing good, right? Because how can I say that I'm not doing well on a podcast, especially <laughs> with you, Jasmine? <laughs> can, can. Come in, I mean, with all the years that I've been doing this, it's impossible that no one heard about me. But it's okay. <laughs> Youth are taking over. I hope so. But anyways, I'm Sherry. Uh, I'm a Malay Muslim, transgender sex worker, and also a human rights defender, or they call it activist, with Project X in Singapore. Awesome. So I have this this question for you, and, and this is a question I ask everybody. What were the conversations on sex and sexuality when you were growing up in Singapore, and how has that changed today? Zero. There's no conversation back when I was growing up, you know, because I think maybe it's my surrounding, or maybe it's just how the, the sexuality education was like before it, but as far as I can remember, there was nothing that I've learned or was told about. Not until I myself uh, search on it or, or look out for answers. Did your did your parents have uh, told you like, oh, you know, you shouldn't do this, shouldn't be close <laughs> to people, you know, like, well, you know, all that, you know, you shouldn't touch yourself, you shouldn't masturbate. Did you have that conversation with your parents? No, not, not from... Ever up till now, never at all. I mean, I don't know if it's a normal thing between Asian family, but for me, I've never received any such restriction or instruction or anything from parents or teachers. No one, no one told me that I shouldn't 
touch myself and neither did anyone tell me I shouldn't touch myself or shouldn't touch anyone. Yeah, so we went crazy. Like, we're like, you, we're just going to touch everything and everybody. Ah, I know I myself, was. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I know I did. <laughs> You said earlier that um, you were you you are a transgender woman in Singapore. Yes. How did you know you were transgender, and how is life like as a transgender woman in Singapore? Well, I mean, it would be kind of embarrassing for me to say this out loud once again to public. Uh, but I only know the term of transgender when I was twenty years old. I'm thirty this year, so. It's kind of that too late for someone to know that term because imagine twenty years old then you find out that oh this is what it's called oh this is why I have feelings or or uh, liking for another man so yeah at the age of twenty then I learned the term of transgender woman then I learned of my uh gender identity and also my sexuality which is kind of maybe I would say it's too late and I mean I wouldn't want to solely blame my parents or anyone for not telling me earlier that oh this is who you are this is why you're feeling this way in that way but yeah when I was 20 upon completing my national service then I met more and more transgender women became friends and then they were telling me this is the answer to why you've been feeling like this this is this this is that I'm sure you get a lot of questions thrown at you and a lot of assumptions thrown at you and I want to go straight to you what are the myths you would like to break in terms of being a trans woman or a trans person in general? Oh, I, I mean, talking about all this, all this myth, stigma, all this discrimination, if you were to ask me a few years ago, I would probably have all the answers in the list, you see, but as of now, honestly, I cannot remember any at the back of my mind because I no longer take notice of it. I no longer remember of it. I no longer oh no, this man just said this of me, you know, I no longer have all that, you know, because I don't give a damn about all these myths, because I know myths are some things that will always, uh, are things that always will be happening now, tomorrow, and so on and so forth, you see. But what I've been noticing, the typical myth, I would say, is that, oh, if you're a trans woman, you all think that either I have a, a, a fully functional dick that you know is somehow go wasted if I don't penetrate woman or vagina or that uh, now that I'm a trans woman that would mean I have to have big boobs and then a vagina in between my legs but not a dick so all this myth all these uh, uh, thoughts are endless you know but again for me what I realized that because of this it somehow it used to uh, structure me into what I should be as a trans woman which could be toxic, which could be very, very, very harmful and bad for the youth trans women out there. I would like to know more about your advocacy work because you are advo- advocating for transgender, the transgender community in Singapore as well as the sex workers. Um, probably you could tell us what is Project X, what is your role and how did you get into the organization and how has it helped you and the community? So Project X is the only sex workers' rights organization in Singapore that advocates and educates for sex workers of all genders, nationality, license status, uh, which that, would that mean could be cisgender woman, transgender woman, Singaporean, Singaporean, licensed sex worker, or unlicensed sex worker. So 
uh, where how I got started, uh, how from being a sex worker, I started at the age of 20. So few years down the road, that's where I got closer and closer to Vanessa Ho, the executive director of Project X. So back then, it was only her that kept coming down to where I was working back then, keep on telling me, oh, this is what Project X does, yada, yada, yada. And like, okay, whatever, Vanessa, just give me the condoms and get going, you see? So eventually, I gave one, I mean, yeah, like eventually, I just gave him to her and I listened more to what she has to say. And then we were sharing our experiences and then she was telling me, oh, do you know that that's what Project X has been doing? And I'm like, oh, really? So you're telling me all this while, me talking to my clients, telling them, correcting them uh, with all the, the misconception, the stigma they have against us, and then why they, they, they are not, you know, they would want to keep us discreet, you know, whatever we are having. Then they say, yeah, this is what we call advocacy work. And then she offered me to come on board because she made me realize, she told me that whatever I'm doing is actually advocacy work. And I said, oh, wow, you know, I'm quite amazed by it. So then I told her, okay, why not? So I joined on board. Initially, with the thought of, oh, why not, you know, uh, getting extra income and then merely just talking to people, you see? And then if you ask me probably, what, six, seven years ago, I wouldn't imagine myself being here, talking to you, Jasmine, or even talking to anyone about the things that I've been doing over the years as a trans woman and as a sex worker. So all thanks to Project X for coming me on board, just giving me all the endless opportunity opening greater doors for me to be even where I am right now, right here. It's really interesting because sometimes we do something because it's something that we truly believe in, you know, just to be talking about people, kind of advocating for things. And then suddenly you connect with the right people and you're just like, oh, actually what I have been doing is, you know, is advocacy work all this while. I wanted to sort of track back. You said something about people or rather clients have a certain stigma towards uh, sex workers. What are those stigmas? I started doing sex work with only transgender sex workers. You know, so there's a group of us, all trans women, probably in our early 20s, uh, early 30s. So naturally, clients will be asking, oh, so there's quite a few of you all, so, or even asking, why are you all doing this? In, in uh, I mean, as a trans woman, why are you all trans women doing this? And then there, there I am telling them, my reasons how I got into it, blah, blah, blah. And then I realized when I asked my friends or even sharing all these questions with my friends, the, the uh, fellow trans sex worker, they were feeling, you know, don't bother about it, Sherry, because, you know, don't bother answering this question because it does no good and won't make any change. And I was like, oh, so all this while you have been brushing away this question, but here I am answering them all, hoping that, you know, they will look up, they will look to me at least differently. But then, uh, my friends were saying, oh, don't bother because why? They always look at us as trans women doing sex work and that is what we all are only. So I feel like, oh, no, I cannot let it be that way because I know again and again, tomorrow, the next day, the next day after, I will still be, be seeing men, clients, and then people, they will always have different kinds of questions and I need to tell them the right thing. Why I'm here. Why am I doing this? And why even all of us are doing this? You see, because I cannot just let them thinking that, oh, we're a bunch of, you know, men who turn out to be women and then taking the easy way out to make a living, not trying hard enough. I don't want that to continue. So thus, I never stop answering clients' question when it comes to all these uh, misconception or anything.
Yeah, it kind of reminds me, um, I know it's very, very different <laughs> from your experience, but it sort of reminds me of whenever, you know, as as someone who speaks about sex education, I get messages from, from random people who will just say, hey, can I show you my penis? Hey, can I, can I want to know, I want, you know, because you, you talk about these things, can I show you because I want to see, I want you to tell me if my penis is normal. And I'm always like, no, I don't do that. And, you know, I, I could easily ignore them but you know I also realized that they're young men um so I would go through this route of like educating them why it's not good to do this why it's rude blah 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 because they think it's okay so it's a waste of time but also I need to educate these people otherwise they will do this to everybody um not the same thing but kind of the same concept in a way um you said something about licensed sex worker because you said unlicensed sex worker and licensed sex worker. Is sex work legal in Singapore? If you would want me to definitely pain, then I would say prostitution is legal, but soliciting is illegal. So that means, I mean, as of now, not everyone is using the right term sex work, sex workers. People are still using the word prostitution, prostitute. So legally on the book, on black and white, they would say that prostitution is legal. However, soliciting is illegal. That would mean you have to be obviously in a very limited term. Uh, I want to say it easily, but I don't want to be sound like as if, oh, now there you go again, Cherry. Now that's Cherry, the one that's speaking so highly, you know, like speak very politically. You know? I mean, I'm trying to be more fun right here, right now. So, uh, in order to be a licensed sex worker, or you can do it legally, you have to obtain a, a what you call this, a yellow card where you have been uh, interviewed by the enterprise department, you are assured you're not being trafficked, you're not being coerced, uh, especially if you're coming from the neighboring country to do sex work. This is so, it means that you, they know these authority people, this like, to know that you are doing it voluntarily. And then there you can be a licensed sex worker, or they would say be a prostitute, you know, where, where they cannot arrest you or things like that. As for me, I'm an unlicensed sex worker because I didn't obtain myself this uh, yellow card system because one, I'm a pre-op transgender and it's only female identified woman that can become a licensed sex worker and also adopt all other regulations that I do not meet. And even if I do, I wouldn't want to be a licensed sex worker. That's interesting. I, I never thought, I mean, sometimes you think that all these rules and regulation are helpful, but you are also subjected to a lot of different other laws and regulations that you have to follow. And if you go against it, then, you know, then probably you won't be protected in, in any way and you will be prosecuted. So that's a very interesting insight into, into that matter. Sherry, I wanted to ask you, how did you get into sex work? What led you to do the work that you're in right now? Alright, so first and foremost, before I answer that question, please do not be influenced by it. Please do not be inspired by it. Please do not take it that I'm telling you this is the, the route you're going to take if you decide to be a trans woman at the age of 15, 16, or your early teenage years. Okay? So for me, I when I, I dropped out of school at the age of 16, and then I slowly transitioned, and then complete my national service. So I entered the sex industry at the age of 20 because despite having uh, years and years of food and beverages experience working in semi-fine dining, I still could not get 
such job after a transition? So because why? I mean, who would want their restaurant to have me, a trans woman, welcoming their guests? Who would want to have me, a trans woman, probably serving burgers over the counters? You know, back then probably they might, they might not be comfortable. And they could apply for different sectors as well. So back then, not having any much choice. And then my friend, who's also a trans woman, who's already been in the industry for a few years before me, was telling me, oh, no, sure, you are not, you know, you come with me. I'm going to show you what I've been doing. And they're like, okay, sure. So that's how it began. You see, but yeah, I'm telling you again, this does not have to be the route you're going to gonna face or be, be stepping on if you decide to transition to be a trans woman. I did because there wasn't much choice back then and there wasn't much uh, advocacy towards uh, equal employment uh, opportunities. But if now, I believe there's equal uh, employment opportunities. If not, you tell me, I will fight for your, for your right to be employed for who you are based on your experience, based on your qualification and your, your interest. No identity or disability should get in the way of what you can offer the company or to the, the trade. Um, what can we do to support the transgender community or sex workers? Yeah, I love this. I love this. What can we do? Kind of questions to see. And if you were to, I mean, doing this sex work uh, for for ten years now, my but and then being an uh, human rights defender activist for. I keep on saying four or five years, but I think more than that, six, seven years now. I keep on hearing what can one do to help to change the, the community, yada, 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 or what can we, what do you see in five years' time, blah, 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 things like that. You see all these questions asking me what they can help and stuff like that. I've realized that now that don't ask me what can, what do I foresee in five years' time or what can, can it be done, you see. Right now, what any one of you can do is to be open about all this news about uh, trans women, trans men, or this LGBT community, the sex worker community, and even to the extent of all the marginalized community, which includes the uh, disabled people or, or anything. You see, all these marginalized community people have their own definition of whether they are belonging to the marginalized community or not, or whatever it is. Be open to it. Be accepting to it. That's the simplest, the first step one can do to make a change. And the next would be that do not, uh, if you really want to help make a change or if you really want to be an ally, make sure you are aware of what's really going on and what are the issues, what are the challenges and what uh, are the things that have been done so far, any campaigns, any effort. You should know all this because then if you say you're an ally of, example, sex worker or transgender community, then people will throw new questions. Oh, Jasmine, why why are you supporting them? Then if you don't know the real reason why you're supporting them, then you'll be like, uh oh, uh oh, then that shows you're like really not sure, you see? And then there again you'll be questioned, oh, so that means you're not really sure actually, you see? And then also if even though if you're sure, as myself as a person, as a trans woman, as a sex worker, I always tell my, my volunteers, my those who interviewed me, those who, who anything that wants to do collaborate with me, I always tell them, are you prepared to be questioned by people surrounding you, by your family, your friends, by anyone? 
when they question you, hey, how come you interview uh, Sherry? Why are you doing this podcast with Sherry Jasmine? Don't you know she's a transgender sex worker? She's an illegal sex worker. Are you prepared to answer that? Because if you don't, I wouldn't want to continue with this because then that means I'm putting you in a bad light, which that's the last thing I want people to go through, anyone to go through, you see? Thus, this all comes with bit about uh, opening yourself, uh, knowing what's going on, and then knowing how to answer to such question or even backlash. Because if you're not you know, not ready or you don't know yet, then probably you might, you know, uh, spend more time understanding more before you go out, being, make yourself know that, oh, I'm an ally of certain community or things like that. Yeah, I like that you mentioned that. I feel like educating oneself is very, very important before you even go out there and advocating for other people. Because like you said, what happens if someone asks you questions? You know, it's one thing for them to ask you like, oh, what is what is the LGBT community about? What is what? It's another if you receive a backlash. And I think it's the same with um, in, the, in the field that I am as well in terms of sex education and sex positivity. There are a lot of well-meaning people who want to teach other people on how to be sex positive, how to be this, but also they get tongue-tied the moment someone asks them something and they, they get shy, they're like unprepared and suddenly they're like, oh, I actually don't know, especially the backlash, you know, you're edu- you know, and all that stuff. So I really, really resonate with what you said about educate yourself first before you advocate um, because just to be safe, you know, and also so you can confidently advocate, right? Um, that's really, really important. What do you say to those who are against the community or against those who are allies? I, okay, I mean, I would ask, I think there's different sides that I would answer it, but I could answer it selfishly or I could answer it professionally or, or maybe trying to slip in my own personal agenda, trying to send a uh, hatred message to the anti allies, but none of that. Here I am speaking as a, a person, as a people also call me communitarian, because I really, really, really care about people so much, be it ally, be it anti-ally, whatsoever. It's just me, me being so caring towards people. So my message for those who, for now at least, are anti-ally or don't want to understand the discount communities, I hope that at least, I mean, I'm not asking anyone out there, everyone, to simply just accept uh, the community, the trans community, the sexual community, just because I talk about it, you see? I'm not asking immediate uh, acceptance, but what I'm asking is that they just simply respect these people as who they are and what they choose to do for a living or for, for their identity or expression. See? Basically, just respect without doubting or even hindering them. That's the, the least you could do. And also, uh, Try, please try to open up yourself because you might never know when these things, this information, this knowledge will come in handy. Little do you know, maybe a few months down the road, few years down the road, someone you know could be, uh, could decide to be to transition to a trans woman. Someone you know could uh, fall under the, the umbrella of sex work or things like that. You see, you might never know how life to change, you see, because if you ask my, my parents, my family, my siblings, they wouldn't know that one day I, I, would, I would decide to be a trans woman. They wouldn't know that one day I decided to be a sex worker. And probably they would be like, oh no, how can how can a son turn to a daughter? Yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. You see, they are not prepared for it. 
and I'm thank thank God for me. I'm very very lucky that my family, my siblings are fully accepting for who I am, what I want to do, and stuff like that. You see, but example, if you imagine one is strongly anti anti sex worker, anti trans community, happens to be that the first family members turn out to be a sex worker themselves, or or tra- wanting to transition to be a woman or a man. What would you feel? What would you do? Probably is people. Oh no, shit! You know, I should learn better to to you know look up or even uh learn more or understand more because why now I'll be struggling to help because why it's a close family member or it's a friend of mine or someone that I really cares for. You see, all these things I never know. So it's better to be. It's better to at least open up and and don't don't stop yourself from learning all these things because you'll never know if you ever meet one day. You know because. 2021 right now, a lot of things are changing. You have to learn. You have to, what do you call that? Uh, follow the arrow or, or, you know, keep up with all these new things in life. Yeah, instead of just hiding yourself. Like the rock was the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, my final question, and this is also a question. Oh, actually, that's not a final question. There's two questions. Um, you will be part of the GLB. TQIA panel on Sugar and Spice Asia, which will be happening on 25th of March, 8.30pm Singapore Malaysian time. What do you hope to share during the discussion? Mm, I mean, I have right now of all the experiences, I think I put a novel about what I've learned, what I've, how I've learned this, blah, 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 you know. So for me, whenever I'm being invited to, to any panel discussion, to any interview, to any podcast, I won't have I won't have anything set in mind, oh, okay, I want to deliver this message, oh, I want to talk about this, oh, I want to talk about that. I always let the, the interviewer or the other person opposite of me to set the flow of it because they would know what they want, what's best for the platform or for their audience or anything. But then where I will do my part is I will help them, oh, you know what, this question has been asked, you can find it here, you can find it there. I wouldn't want to be, be talking and then saying the same thing all over again because that makes me sound scripted and that's, I will, I will always avoid that, you see. I want both parties to have a fulfilling outcome of it. You get a, a, a great uh, podcast content, but I manage to talk about something that's uh, relevant, something that is uh, ongoing right now. Rather than just talk me, okay, okay, another podcast. Hmm, let's talk about how I, I transition. You know, I don't like that kind of things because I'm not that. You see, I, I'm not. I'm not just doing it for the sake of doing it. So for this GLTG, oh my goodness, sake, people keep on swapping all these positions. What I know is that LGBTQIA, but now it's GLT. I'm so sorry. G-L-B-T-Q-I-A. <laughs> yes. Sorry, please don't kill me. <laughs> yes, yeah. But then for this one, I somehow already met Adi, uh, the other uh, speakers and all. We all somehow know who is who and, and their backgrounds. Like, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, the, I'm not the only sex worker, transgender activist around. But for this panel, we have a uh, diverse uh, type of people and for me, I'll be speaking about trans sex worker. I'm really excited to be part of the conversation, to just watch and see and learn. Um, especially like what you said, there's a diverse group of speakers on the panel and it's going to be very, very interesting to hear what everybody has to say. 
So a question that I ask all my guests is, what is the one thing you wish someone told you? And I want to change the question a bit for you. If you could advise young Sherry, okay, a 15-year-old Sherry, a 16, a teenage Sherry, one thing, what advice would you tell her? I would tell her not to be, but to be scared and to persevere, persevere on with school, with uh, socializing, and with simply being a son and a brother to my family members. Me, 15, 16 years old, I was scared. I was really, really scared to continue living, you see, because in school, I don't know who's my friends. I mean, teenage, like, I didn't want talking about about chasing after girls. And then the girls would be like, oh, you know, I'm not chasing after me. I'm not me love better. But ask me, Surrounding them, I'd be like, uh, I don't chase up the girls. No, I don't receive any love letters. So what's wrong with me? So I feel scared. And then I I didn't persevere, but I just picked up off school. No, that's one thing. And then back home, I don't know how to share my problems. I don't know how to share my the thoughts that I have with my siblings, my parents. I kept to myself. So for many years since, on my early teenage years, I kept things to myself. For many, many years until I drop out of school, I don't have much friends. Not until one day, I think I was 17, 18, when I decided to, okay, I'm going to take some part-time job, basically making my own money, working in FMB, and then uh, enlisted for national service. Since then, then I slowly learned that, oh, shuts, all this while I've been missing out with my family, you know, talking to them, or even wasted years of education, because why? I didn't persevere on I was so scared that I did not talk about it. I just keep it to myself, thinking that one day, one fine day, I'll wake up and I'll be the son that my parents want me to be. I'll be the brother that my siblings want me to be. If only I had persevered on, you know, I had stayed in, in the educational system, I wouldn't, I wouldn't probably regret it. Not saying that I regret the rule, but thinking back, I would be better now. If I've completed my studies and if I didn't waste it, probably five, seven years not talking to my family members at all because why I don't understand myself. So for all the youth out there, don't do not hide yourself, do not distance yourself from your family members, from your schoolmates, just because you're unsure. Then the more you should be getting answers, you should be looking out for answers instead of just hoping one day that you turn out to be what people want you to be because. If, if that happened, probably you're going to go down the wrong road. It's better to ask your, your, your parents, Mom, Dad, why am I feeling like this? Then to hide yourself and to deny. You know, having answers is better than to deny it because then probably it will affect you in the long run. You see how you turn out to be. It's better to be, to be prepared with all these answers and possibility instead of knowing it that too late. Example, uh, going back through to all this about uh, comprehensive sexuality education. If schools don't teach you about, uh, oh, you need to put on condom, you, uh, when age can women get pregnant, how can women get pregnant, what can your sperm do? If they don't teach you at a young age, then you figure things out yourself. Oh, I don't know that women can get pregnant at the age of 15. You fuck someone, she got pregnant, and that's it, they're doomed. So these things could be avoided, be prevented. Not saying that if you talk about it now, that means you're encouraging all these young boys to have sex. No, 
there's a difference to it and that matters on how you talk about it and how you approach it. So again, everyone plays a part when it comes to youth and their concerns and their challenges. Yes. Thank you so much. If you would like to listen to Sherry, again, she is one of the speakers for Sugar and Spice Asia, a virtual sexuality festival by Asians for Asians happening from 23rd until the 27th of March 2021. You can get all access tickets priced at 20 USD or if you can't afford it, don't worry. They also have free ticket options because they want to make it as accessible as possible. Get it from sugarandspice.asia. And again, Sherry will be on the GLBTQIA panel at Sugar and Spice on the 25th of March, 8.30. Okay. Thank you so much, Sherry, for being part of the conversation. And Thank on this you podcast. all. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the show. I Wish Someone Told Me is hosted and produced by Jasmine King with new episodes bi-weekly on Wednesdays. Follow I Wish The Pod on Instagram so you won't miss any updates. And feel free to share your thoughts, reflections, and aha moments from this episode. Catch you later!